I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, everyone. I am Vic Cohen, and it is a fair question. It is always a fair question. There's no such thing as a unfair or bad question here on the show. And we have tonight a awesome guest. You're going to love this guy. He's a good friend. And he's also quite quite a bit of a celebrity in the business world. Did you know that? Yes. Todd, did you know his name is Todd Green? Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vic. Yes. Now, Todd is very well known. Uh, he's been on a lot of shows for being quite the entrepreneur. That's right. If you, I want to describe him to you right now. I'm looking at him. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to describe him as bald. And that's going to bother him because he doesn't like the word bald. He considers himself a man with a shaved head. Is that right, Todd? It's very true. Charlie Brown is bald. Larry right. David is bald. Okay. Todd Green, not bald. Not now, bald. the reason this is an issue and why we're discussing it right now is because Todd Green is the inventor, the creator. He's the everything of a very popular men's product called Headblade. The not bald blade. Not bald blade. That's correct. That would make you very angry if there was a competitor that came out. No, don't say that. Don't give people ideas. That's true. I don't want to Even do that. Even though they've had ideas like that, so, but Todd, no, not your, a bald blade. Well, okay. In your own words, I want you to describe to the people listening exactly, um, and this is, has to be under 20 seconds, <laughs> what is it that you do? Uh, I make men's grooming products for guys who shave their heads who aren't bald. Who aren't bald. Who aren't bald. Well, isn't, there's no such thing as a truly bald. Every man, a bald man still has the stuff on the side. I mean, there's, unless you're, God forbid, going through chemo or something. I mean, you're never, no one's ever totally bald. Oh, yeah, there are some people that are bald. But I would say... Who? Um, <laughs> I want names. Really? <laughs> it is a fair question. <laughs> uh, the Simpsons, Homer Simpson. Is he okay. bald? He doesn't shave. Oh, good point. There you go. You had an answer. That's, you know your business. So um, this this product, what I love also about Todd, and I have to ask you about this, and I do think this is also- I can't see you. I have to turn okay, around. Okay, yes, you yes, got to turn around. Like, so it's Todd, like a mirror. Yeah, the, yeah it is. you have a little like, mustache. For right, those of you who know Vic, who haven't seen Vic, Vic no. is sprouting. I am, sprouting I'm, the right word? Yeah, I'm growing a mustache right. uh, for a potential role. Tending, tending to a mustache. Tending, is that what you call it? Yes. Well, here's what I love what Todd has done. It's a brilliant move. Um, he has decided, and it's actually working- that he calls this a lifestyle. I love that. It is. It's brilliant marketing. It really is. Like you think a guy with a shaved head, he has a fucking shaved head. But for you, it's a lifestyle. Total lifestyle. Describe the lifestyle. It's a choice. And that's the thing. When you talk about bald, balding, it's kind of one of those things that it's something that happens to you. It's passive. Once, you know, when you start losing your hair, you'll always be balding until you don't have any hair left. So I like to use a Charlie Brown analogy because... Look, Lucy makes fun of him. She pulls the football away. He's balding. But the minute you shave your head, you're 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 shaved. It's a different. It's a whole thing where you've if if Nike didn't already have the just do it right head blade, and when you shave your head, something passive is now active. Okay, you know, I just thought of a great new. I don't know. Tell me, what is the um, slogan for the company? Do you have an actual? I don't remember. Yeah, if Nike didn't have just do it, that'd be ours. No, because I'm telling you what yours should be. I'm right. giving you something here. Well, against the grain is one of them. Okay, I like that. That's clever, but I got something better. I'm serious. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make you a lot of money. Coming down here 
is going to be worth your while, big time, bigger than just... Already worth my while. Thank you. you. Have a plush studio, a nice right. mustache. Well, thank you. Yes, just being a part of this show, I know, is thrilling for you. It is. I like it. It's a great place, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah. Here's the deal. Okay. Here's your new slogan. Just shave it. Just shave it? Yep. I'm telling you, that is a great slogan. Just it, shave it. Wait, it, do we already... No. I, I'm so old. I think we may have just shave it. Uh, let me tell you something. We had one that was called, Can I Kiss It? I don't, I'm telling you what you should go with. You can do what you want. I'm a creative guy. I, I, I could be in the marketing business like that. And I'm telling you, that's a great slogan. It is good. Yeah. Very good. And I'm uh, giving it to you. Just shave it? Just shave it. We had love head. Do you like that? I think that's too dirty. You know, I'm very clean. Oh, I didn't even notice it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everyone loves a little <laughs> head plate. Head plate, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that, like I said, that's yours. Now- Thank you. Yes. Now, Thank you. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done my work here. Now, the thing that's amazing also about Todd is he is a millionaire entrepreneur. I happened to run into him as he drove up in his Lotus. Now, he is living the lifestyle of a true- I love how you say that. And yeah. it's parked outside, right on the streets of LA. No, you're in a parking lot. He was very concerned about making sure his Lotus was tended to by a live human being. Now, Who did not work there. Right. That's a nice thing. I'm the same right? way with my Prius, okay? Don't think the Lotus is so special. You like my friend who has a Prius. He said, you know, I get five times better gas mileage than you. And I said, yeah, but I get 10 times more fun driving. I thought you going to say 10 times the, you know. Love head. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. It's a so, tiny car inside. Have you ever been inside a Lotus? No, I I was looking at you in the front seat. I almost pulled my back. You're so low to the ground. It's so un, such unsafe car. It's I, a very it's a very scary car. It's, it's like is. a go kart. Well, here's the deal. I here's the deal. You are um, living the lifestyle of a millionaire, and I want to know what are you worth. It's a fair question. It I've always wondered that, and I'm waiting for. I was waiting for this moment. What are you worth? How much do I have in my pockets? No, I'm serious. Now, what, what, what do you have in your bank account? I mean, we've been calling you a millionaire. It's a fair you, question. It is a fair question. You go, um, you know, you've been interviewed by Joan Rivers on her show. Oh, you, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you live at the beach. I'm How not is say, Joan? Hey, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. You get profiled. You were in Time Magazine in 2000, I believe, for one of the top inventions of the year. Out of my apartment. Okay. So I'm telling you. You know this. It's better. Here's the thing. Yeah, explain Remember to me. Fletch? Well, no, it's. What do you, when you told me, you, as an actor, you play what? I, I, you asked me my age and I said I play 32 to 46. And your height? I play 5'3 to 5'9. Okay. I don't so give any of that away. Let's talk about my worth in the same way. Okay. Remember, did you watch movie Fletch? Uh, years ago. In his apartment, it was actually where, close to Whitey Bulger, where he was actually found. In Santa Monica, and okay. I think Fletch lived off of now. Fourth. Just now, I have to explain. And he went by. Whitey Bulger was a guy on the run for years that they found in Santa Monica recently, and he's an old time. Uh, he, he was he was, was running movie? from the law with Leonardo DiCaprio. Or did they do a movie on it? Mark, Mark, the, I totally missed it. The movie, really? Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to what you were saying. So he drives let's, by. Just and he get says, to the answer. My, what are you worth? This is my palatial <laughs> imitation apartment building. What am I worth? I'm not worth that much. If if I build up my company, I sell it. Yeah. I'm worth so much more. Okay, so why why don't you sell it? Because it's it's here's why I don't sell it. I've been approached before by companies that say we love what you do, we love who you are, especially if you use that Vic Vic Cohen log, uh, slogan, just shave it. But really, in terms of the value of the company, right. so when you get approached, let's get a quick answer here. Nothing too technical for the people okay, at no, home. No, no, this is we don't want to get into numbers along, and follow you know, along. like go ahead. Okay. Keep it simple. I will. <laughs> As he drinks milk with a mustache. <laughs> well, it's a frappuccino. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
the marketing people tell you you're brilliant, you do more, you get more press than they do, and they have billion-dollar ad budgets, and you do all the social marketing, and you have a great product, you win all these design awards. But when they get you in that room and they start sweating you out with the accountants, and they start pulling out terms like EBITDA and how much is your company worth? And like, they, let's say, by the way, who are you saying? They, the being accountants, accountants. The people at your say, company or no, another company. Are we here to sell the company? So that's like someone okay, saying, if you're going to sell the company, that's you're, like when somebody wants to date you and they tell you how great you are, and then when they break up, they tell you how oh, you're not that great. So let's say you were Starbucks. Right. At its core, Starbucks just serves coffee, and you can say, "What's Starbucks worth?" Well, okay. You can go through the financials of Starbucks and, and, and the coffee and how much the profit and the margins and all that. But then you talk about the intangibles, the trademarks, the, oh, why people go to McDonald's or Starbucks. So with a company my size, we really can't dictate, hey, the logo's worth a lot. Hey, the design is worth a lot. Hey, there's so much more in terms of the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's the They just look at the finances. And so we don't have, we're not one of those companies that right now is in a position where we can dictate, we don't have a bidding war. Someone says, how okay. much are you worth? So that's what- You it, have two people in a room, if they're bidding you up. Right. Okay, I, I hear you saying, so uh, So what are you worth? It's a fair question. That it was a beautiful a dodge. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is your bank account? I'm curious. Not much. It's a fair question. Not much. Are you, um, now here's the thing about Todd also, which I love, I love this guy because he is a walking anomaly. He really is. He, he kind of, you live kind of like a, I don't say austere. I like Benny Hill. Benny Hill didn't own anything. You know that? Well, here's what I'm saying. Todd lives in a very modest, I didn't know that, by the way, about Benny Hill, but Todd lives, you would think that he's living in some palatial estate or, you know, some massive, he lives in a one room home. And what, 400 square feet, 600? It's about 400, yeah. 400. It's smaller than that. I have a bed that I roll in and out of the wall. The, I have a raised bathroom in my bed. It's great because somebody comes over, they go to the bathroom, I pull out the bed, they think they're in the wrong place. Right. So, but it's very small. So but, what, I mean, the, the, <laughs> no, the I, apartment's very I small. I got that. No, the, I Well, understand. you smile and your mustache just kind of goes up like a little it cheshire sometimes. cat. It's like a mood ring. You can see, sense what I'm thinking by looking at my mustache. Um, so you live in Santa Monica. Yep. Uh, I wasn't supposed to say that. I I was trying not to say so, where you okay. live. But I parked the Lotus outside and... <laughs> And, um, oh, by the way, if anyone um, has a call I, I want, or wants to talk to Todd, uh, the number here is 800-893-9562. That's 800-893-9562. And again, I'm Vic Cohen, and you are listening to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. Do we have a call on the line? We do. We have a call. Uh, yes, go ahead, please. Yeah, hi, Todd. Uh, my name's Marcus. I'm an entrepreneur and um, a big fan. Love what you've done. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah. You're talking to me or Vic? You're talking, no, I'm talking to Marcus. I'm, I'm talking to you, Todd. I'm, um, you know, I'm kind of in a similar situation. I think when you started your company, um, I have an invention that I have been developing for years, and I'm ready to take it to market. Um, um, I have created, they are utensils that uh, they're edible. They're edible utensils. <laughs> uh, once you use them, you you can actually eat them, and um, they're sturdy until they uh, are uh, they sit in water for five minutes. And um, I've had some people at work tell me they think it's amazing, and I've spent uh, pretty much my whole life savings on it. And I'm how much ready. is that, by the way? May I ask? And it is a fair question. What it, what was when you say you spent your whole life savings? What are we talking? I've invested over the years. I'd say every year 
probably about uh, this past year, I, I invested about twelve thousand uh, dollars in the development stage. I'd say in total, probably in the maybe about about uh, twenty-two thousand. Do you have a patent? I was going to ask that. I was going to ask, what is is it the process, Marcus, of what you've made that makes? Because, like, I've, for instance, um, there are chocolate spoons. Have you seen those that you use for coffee? Yeah, this this is very different. Okay, they're in the biodegradable plates and stuff. I don't know if they're from M Cafe or there's a restaurant in oh, Santa Monica that has. Well, let me ask you this. I want to ask Marcus. I want to ask Marcus. I want to ask you something, Marcus. Okay. What is your question, by the way? Because I think I heard the description, but we need to move along here. And I really want to know what you're asking. Well, the exactly. question is, how do I take it to the next level? I have it. I have it all developed. Um, okay. I so, haven't really done anything to protect it. I, I just pretty much have it, and I'm ready to take it to the next level. Okay. Okay. And, okay. Marcus. Well, Marcus, we got it. Here's okay, what, thank here's, you. I'm not trying to be rude. I want to get right to I mean, Marcus. I think a you you're doing it in the right way, and that you've developed the product. You know it works. Now now's the time to bring in a lawyer. You know, you can. You need to go out and see what kind of protection you can get for it, whether the process can be protected or the design can be protected. Because really, you could be the first to market, and depending on how good your product is, you know, they say uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And I, I don't happen to agree with that because obviously you don't want to do all the work, have a great idea, come to market, and then have somebody rip you off. So you need to get a lawyer involved and find out where the value of your invention is. Uh, also, um, let's just get to the chase. I mean, I am, a, I hate this expression, Marcus, but I am a straight shooter. I, you know, when we say it's a fair question, it also is going to, I'm looking for a fair answer. Now, let's be honest, Todd. When this gentleman was describing his product, we had to hold back from laughing. Well, because it made me think of right? edible underwear. Well, I think it was because, no, I think what it was is... I was thinking of edible underwear. With all due respect, Marcus, I think you're going to have a hard time with that product. Well, wait, wait, I got another question. Marcus? Yeah? Is the product made to be eaten by humans or biodegradable so that animals can eat it? Are you being serious? Well, yeah. Are you even, I'm surprised we're even indulging this idea. No, I think it's, from all the ideas I've heard, there's merit to this because... Depending on whether it's just biodegradable. I think this idea sucks, to be honest. No, no because with all due respect like to this, you. Think of it like this. If you have, <laughs> if you're out on a picnic or if you want, and you yeah, don't want to use plastics, let's say it's made out of something that animals can eat or biodegradable, and you don't have to worry about throwing it away, maybe for camping. You know what I think, Marcus? Well, I think you owe Todd a big thank you because he actually saved your product. You know, that sounds no, like. But let's, let's hear about what, 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 what it is. What is it? Well, I was just saying that the driving inspiration was that every time I threw away plastic, it was like there was a hole in my gut because uh, I couldn't always recycle it. And I thought, well, what's the best way to do it? Then you can, you, know, you can just, you can just eat it. And humans can eat it. Sometimes it does hurt. It does cause um, some constipation. Okay, no, I'm still no, working that out. No, no. But the rest of it, the animals. Hold on a second. Okay. We're going to have to run, Marcus. Wait, but wait, let wait. me just. I just I, want. Did you say you eat your your plastic silverware? Well, that's 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 what I've developed. Yeah. And, um, Wait, you've been eating your own silverware out of... Uh, no, I created it out of... I've, I've put together a formula over the years uh, and it has some, a little bit of plastic that Okay, that well, you know what, Marcus? Marcus I, say, I apologize. Say, I don't want to be rude, but we need to move on. Okay. And, okay. I well, think you have something there, Marcus. Talk to, yeah, talk to a lawyer. There's also a okay. website that I'll tell you. It's called crazy. It's, no, it's called idea, ideacafe.com. 
Okay. Is a community of, of entrepreneurs and people that will help you that there's a lot of stuff to read. I'm not, in fact, I don't think it's a bad, I told you there are certain ones that I've heard over the years that just right. blew Give my me, mind. Um, oh, by the way, thank Thanks you, Marcus, for calling. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Again, um, I'm talking to entrepreneur, owner, creator of the Headblade uh, product line. Particularly, he has a razor that specifically is designed just for men. Well, I can tell you, Vic. For, ball, for, child, for men who want to shave their head by choice. Yeah, go ahead. When I came up with the idea of Headblade, yeah. I had a lot of people that laughed it off. That thought it was a crazy idea. So I understand what Marcus is going through because you do- Come on, man. You and I were both cracking up because it was insane. That idea is crazy. I don't think it's crazy. Really? I think- it, Jeremy. Well, the things that- Here's, here's what, what, what I was going through my mind. A was edible underwear. Okay. B was how long do you have to wait from eating with right, utensils? Right, it's going to melt in your mouth. It's ridiculous. Well, no, but that's what I'm thinking. There must be something where- there's some chemical reaction that maybe you it's put- just a bad idea. I mean, we don't know. I think you're you're making it a lot better because you're you. I don't think he was. Well, that I'd hate if it had a half life of like ten years. You had to sit around after you eat and wait five years before right. you could eat it. But then what made me feel like if he's eating this stuff and it's giving him constipation, he yeah. needs to do a little more <laughs> a little more research and Jer- work. Because well, Jeremy, you were laughing immediately. I mean, here's here's the thing: is Jeremy, um, by the way, is running the board and he's also the big cheese here at Skid Row. Go ahead. I, I'm thinking of the the food that you're eating with these utensils, because these utensils are going to be like candy, right? They have to be made out of something like that. So if you're eating a steak, do you want <laughs> to have uh, you know a right. candy necklace okay, after I'll, you eat a nice steak? Right, he makes ha- a good point. And right, there definitely has to be some kind of think of think of when you have pills, right? When you take pills and they're coated with okay. something that. It takes maybe 20 minutes for it to dissolve. So maybe you have to use these and eat really fast. Okay, no, no. I think <laughs> you're very, you know what, Todd, you you have the ability, and I've seen it just here, that you can actually do look on the positive side as, as far as how can how to make something work. Yeah, if he said he um, had a car that was edible, you could drive it and you wouldn't have to park it, you just have to eat it. That's right. unrealistic. Okay, now right? let's get back to you. <laughs> you don't even need any food. The car itself is just... <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. You, uh, since we are in this territory here, tell me, you said you hear crazy ideas that are pitched to you. People will think yeah. that, you know, they, they see you as an entrepreneur, they want help. Tell me, what is the craziest right. pitch you've had? Craziest one. And this is where, like, I get a lot of emails, especially if I'm on TV. And I think uh, I come across the TV as people say, oh, wow, look at that guy. Oh, you know, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it. So then they write me and they say, how'd you do it? Because I'm trying to come up with my own idea. Well, I used to meet with these people. If somebody said, hey, I have an idea, I live locally, will you meet with me? And I went to lunch with this guy and he didn't tell me what his idea was until we were at lunch. Went to a Thai restaurant for a lunch special. The one you was, you took me to that? No, this is the one in Santa Monica. We, okay. Toy on Wilshire, no longer there. We're sitting there and he puts it on the table. The product. The product, his one and only prototype. <laughs> And okay. I said, what is it? And he said, it's the man pawn. And I swear to God, you would have thought Kramer from Seinfeld <laughs> was going to walk in and sell this with his coffee what table was book on coffee tables. Right. What was the pitch? It's because when you go to the bathroom and after, like, you just went to the restroom, right? And I you know did. how, like, my, my dad says, you know, you, no matter how long you shake and dance, the last few drops going down your pants. <laughs> if you shake it more than five times, you're playing with yourself. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, this guy's man pawn was a thing that a guy wears, so when he drips, 
I don't know how, when he drips at the end, right. this little man pawn catches it all and then he discards it. So how many of them did you guys sell? Oh yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't go for that one? You didn't no, bite? No, no. I yeah. didn't even want to test it. Well, you had to give him credit, right? For at least coming up with it. <laughs> Was that a play on words? Hey, yeah. no, no, never. So tell me a little bit about you as a kid. Um, you know, you're, you're- I was born bald. Yeah, well, um, I had a dirty joke, but I'm not gonna say it. Um, about me? About your birth. I can't, I was, I was gonna say your mom was bald, but it was like a shave joke. Like, it's not cool. It's not, it's wrong. I've just lost my My guest. mom is listening. <laughs> not well, on the head. It's 2 like, a.m. in the East Coast. She's <laughs> up. She just heard you. Oh, well, hello, uh, Mrs. Green. <laughs> she hasn't been Mrs. Green since 76, but that's oh, okay. another story. You developed a wonderful son. Uh, by the way, I guess- I was a forceps a baby. You were? Yeah. Seriously? And you, you look at my ears. You'd think they didn't need forceps. They just pulled me out with my that ears. True? Yes. 310, or excuse me, 800. <laughs> yeah, give me your cell phone number. 800, I was. I was about to give my <laughs> cell phone number. 800-893-9562. If you just joined us, I'm talking with Entrepreneur and uh, the creator of Headblade, Todd Green. Look him up on Google. You'll be blown away about what's been written about this man. And uh, he's a visionary. He's really created an entire new market uh, for men in grooming. And um, as he said, it is not just a razor. It is a lifestyle. What do you think of these commercials, Todd? Uh, uh, you know, they go, are you suffering from hair loss? Um, you know, do, they make it sound like a man who's losing his hair is dying. Right. And I listen to that and I'm, you know, I'm feeling good before the commercial. And then after we have a call. Great. And then afterwards, I'm like, you know, what? What's going on? You know, like I, I suddenly feel, did you say we have a call? Okay, then I suddenly- What, you think it's the wrong number? You really- I don't know, I'm shocked because I see here, Jeremy, a number- This is the first couple calls we've had. So. No, no, because it's, a sa it's showing up as the same number as before, but I'll take it. Let's go. Who is it? Hello? Hello? Yes, hi. Who's this? Hi, I was fascinated by this product and I was wondering, I'm uh, a woman. I know you guys are in making the products for men, but can I use this on my legs? You can use this anywhere. You can use it on my legs. Anywhere? Anywhere. <laughs> in Toledo? Oh, uh, you should watch. If you go to, if you go to our uh, YouTube page, we have a new video commercial, and the tagline is, you can use it anywhere. It's uh, the newest head blade, the ATX. Uh, the nice thing about the ATX, because it's, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years, and I've had four or five generations of head blade. Uh, the new ATX is actually great for women and great for their legs. Uh, and the nice thing is head blade fits on your finger so you don't have a handle and you can shave anywhere. So let's be, uh, um, what is your name, please? Who's calling? Molly Shirley. Molly Shirley. Okay. Molly, um, here's, here's, um, the, uh, when you said your legs, you, you, you did ask if it could be, were you thinking you of other? Are you a fair question? It is a fair question. Do you <laughs> shave everywhere? Well, I, I don't shave everywhere, but there's certain places that I wax that I've not shaved. Well, this is, okay. That's a very good question. This is a fair question. Um, it's a good answer. Molly Shirley. Uh, do you, do you ever, um, do you shave your private parts? She waxes. You said she waxes certain she parts. Waxes. Okay. Well, okay. It's been a long time but since like, Vic's been there. Go on, please. Call her. Shirley. Molly. I have, I, well, I, so it, it works for coarse hair. Yeah, the new He's ATX. He's got hair like a horse on her legs, basically. Is that worse? Oh, Vic is terrible. The the new head blade, the ATX, has a four blade cartridge that has flow through design. So yeah, it's it's great for and you know our older blades like the double, the twin blade, and the triple blade. 
um, had a closed back plastic architecture. So it was like an old Atra or a sensor. The new ones are, uh -huh. much, are much like the Mach 3 of the Fusion. So you can see right through the blades. What does ATX stand for? Um, actually, it stands for all-terrain. Wow, it's like, uh, it's like you're planted this call. But it's ATX is all-terrain, and then the X is like the cross-country. Now, uh, stick, stick with us on the phone caller, uh, Molly Shirley. Uh, Stop calling me Shirley. And from the <laughs> it is Molly Shirley, is that right? Yeah. Where did you get that name? It's quite unusual. Are you from another country? Hello? I'm, no, I'm, I'm from, no, I'm from the States. Okay, your last name I is like Shirley? I like that name. Molly Shirley? Okay, is that... Uh, I mean, my, my, my dad is German. My okay. mom oh, is English. Go. What part of the country are you calling from, Molly Shirley? I just like saying your name. Pardon? What part of the country are you calling from? I'm coming, I'm, I'm calling from Southern California, San Diego. Oh, okay. Nice. Now, and, where did you hear of Headblade? Just now? <laughs> it got very well, quiet. I was, I was listening. I happened upon the podcast, and I was listening to the program, and I thought, and that you've been talking about how it's for men, and I, and it sounded like a good product, and I thought I would ask if I could it for my legs. Well, I'll tell you, Molly. Also, our shave cream is the best shave cream. Like a lot of guys who shave their heads, they kind of have ended up using skin mitts, and a lot of women use skin mitts. Our head slick shave cream is our number one seller. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Todd, and um, I'm going to, and I think this is a fair question I'm going to ask on behalf of, I think I know what, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Molly, but I think this is what you're really asking. Um, she's tired of waxing her vagina and the vulva <laughs> and, and the, um, you know, areas around the labia majora and menorah. And she's wondering, yes, the menorah, no, it's, it's like a Hanukkah it's thing. A, it is a Hanukkah So thing. what she's trying to, what she's really asking. and I, I need I, to do more research and development. We're going to have takeout no, and delivery hold on a second. soon. No, hold on. This is what she's okay. asking. She's really asking. How far is San Diego from here? Hold on. She's asking if you can use the head blade on her um, right. vulva. The beaver the, blade, the pooter shooter, no, all that stuff. But honestly. Yes, honestly. And they're how do, I mean, it's so sensitive down there. You don't think the head's sensitive? You shave your head. Yeah, I know, but it just seems like that area. I don't have a vagina, but I would imagine it would be very tender. And, you know, it's, it, there's, uh, you know, it's like shaving the inside of a mouth, isn't it? Well, or, the, or, or what about, um, can men use it on their private parts? Yeah, we have, we've actually been in uh, a few men's gay magazines about shaving people. Only gay men shave? This is news to me. Well, I want to tell no, you no, something. No, no. She I'm asked saying, a good... That it, is a fair it, it question. It is a good question. That's a fair question. But uh, actually... Todd, have you shaved your balls today? It's a fair question. No, but when I do, I use clippers and trimmers. Really? That's I don't so, shave my balls with a blade. Really? I do. Really? Yeah, I love it. It's, really? Yeah, I get really tight and close. It's what wonderful. What do you do? You like tug it like it's a... There's not, I hate to say it. There's nothing to tug. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I wish there was some tugging that could be done. I didn't know, but you got to touch it. Yeah, I'd have to flatten it out with bricks to keep it from... Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Molly, have we answered all your questions? Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for the call. It's been a pleasure. And uh, you made a, she made a great point. You know, that was a great question about women being able to use this product. And she did open up a whole thank new you, Molly. area. Yeah, about uh, the genital... Gen, as I said, genitalia. But the genitals are... are um, I've never heard this from you, that that's a... It's fair game for the, for the uh, head blade. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting to me. From your uh, head on down, use it anywhere you shave. That's one of our taglines. Okay. I didn't come up with that one. Just no, shave it. I did. Yeah, very good. So the other thing that's so fascinating about Todd is he is um, he's a designer. He came up with this 
aerodynamic type um, instrument to use for the shave. And um, tell me a little bit about, you're also quite an artist. Um, where did this come from? Um, because a kid, were you um, particularly uh, creative? Were you coming up with inventions as a child? Yeah, when I was a kid, I actually I used to love to whittle. I mean, I grew up in Maine, so one of the things now, uh, like when I lived in Seattle, I was an artist for a software company, and we did CD-ROMs. Growing up in Maine, you really don't understand how things are made. Go on. Unless it's out of wood. Okay. And so I learned to whittle, and I used to buy balsa wood and make airplanes. I made miniature sneakers, a little tennis racket that I used to... I, I actually... What is it when you string a tennis racket? I made a little miniature tennis racket and I strung it with dental floss. Hmm. So, so God forbid you were ever homeless. That's something you could sell at Venice Beach. Well, when I lived in Philadelphia, I thought, well, if I'm ever homeless, I need to learn how to play the harmonica. So I bought a harmonica, but I never learned how to play it. Right. And I thought, well, it doesn't matter because if I'm homeless, then I'll have plenty of time to learn. That's a good point. Well, you know, you are quite, I find it probably, I'm always, I sometimes get jealous of people who have like these cross talents, you know, like where they can do six different things. And, you know, someone like you, you know, you're, you're really an amazing artist. I've seen your work. I mean, like, um, I've seen some drawings of yours that are top notch, like completely professional and and beautiful. When I, well, thank you, Vic. I mean, I, I think it helps as an entrepreneur where you, I think I do a lot of things well and nothing great. And when I was in college, I went to Bowdoin College, which is a liberal arts college. And I remember I, I had a hard time deciding whether I wanted to be an art major or a math major. And then I realized all the people that I was taking math classes were, they all thought I was an art major. And all the people I was taking art classes were, with, they thought I was a math major. So it kind of showed that I really wasn't excelling at one thing. So I really kind of leveraged it over the years to try a lot of different jobs and learn because this headblade is actually the first business I ever started. You know, and it's, it's, uh, I know the failure rate everyone talks about, you know, how there's such a high failure rate with new businesses. What do you attribute your success to? Um, there's, there, there are a couple cartoons that I saw. Uh, one was non sequitur and it's a guy sitting at a big giant desk and it said all the, 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 the perks of uh, self-employment and on the back wall were all these framed pictures and every framed picture said employee of the week. And every picture was of him. And so I think I, I get from my father the perseverance of if somebody tells me I can't do something, I'll do it. And I know that nobody's going to think it's more important than you do. So I will go the extra distance. I will do whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm committed. You know, I, people used to say when I lived in Philadelphia and I was going to move to Seattle, I didn't know anybody in Seattle and I actually went out to Seattle for a weekend, um, stayed with a friend from college for the weekend, loved Seattle, sent myself a postcard. And I said, I'll see you here next year. When I got back to Philadelphia from that weekend vacation, about a week later, I get a postcard in the mail from me. And I think, hey, well, you know, I'm so nice, eh? But then I decided I was going to move to Seattle. And I told everybody at my work, I said, I'm going to, you know, give two months notice. And a lot of people said, why are you doing that? I wouldn't do that if I was you. And I kept thinking, you're not me. You know, I, I w- want to do something. I get it in my mind. And then it's, how do I make it come true? You know, you really have to visualize. And so for me, leaving Philadelphia and go to Seattle was just the progression. It was an adventure and it was me living my life and not having anybody live it for me. 
So it's um, it sounds to me like it's you really in tune with yourself, and you you can trust your gut. Yeah, is what it sounds like. Yeah, you definitely have to take baby steps and then learn from both your mistakes and from your successes. I may have missed something in your story, and I just wanted just because I is it the plot? No, Did I just you mentioned ramble? you were in Seattle and you sent a card to yourself in Seattle. What was no, the purpose in, of no, that? No, when I went to, when I was living in Philadelphia, had a great job, right. had no debt, had no wife, had no Volvo, had no kids, right. And I'd always want to go to Seattle because when I was a kid, I played on a basketball team called the Supersonics. So one day I thought, I want to go to Seattle. And I was 22 years old. So I called up a friend who lived in Seattle. And I said, can I come visit for a weekend? He said, sure. So I went out for the weekend. And when I was there, I really loved it. And I wanted to really, I think of life in moments. You know, when you're, let's say you're watching a sunset and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is really beautiful. And you think, if I could just capture this moment. And so when I was out in Seattle for the weekend, I was 22, 23, I had such a great time that I decided to buy a postcard, send it to myself. So when I got back to Philadelphia and I got the postcard in the mail, it would take me back to that moment. And so in my life, I've really learned how to key in on those moments. You know, because life, especially as an entrepreneur, how do you say it? You say so much I better say than I do. But- life is a roller coaster. And if you can just really enjoy certain moments, that's what makes it worth it. Don't you think, Todd, that whether one is an entrepreneur or not, life is a roller coaster? It totally is. So, I mean, this philosophy really applies to life. It totally correct? does, yeah. Uh-huh. So do you consider yourself, um, do you, the motivation that comes, obviously, you know, we, I always find that success comes from the doing and every usually the idea is the fun part but the execution is what the discipline and the unfun part of it it's getting through that that makes one successful um you've obviously gotten through that um well, you definitely yeah. have to believe in yourself you definitely have to believe where does in that confidence come from is it your father you mentioned him as someone yeah, important to you there's a story about like uh, my, my parents were divorced and i actually lived with my my father when i was in high school and when I looked at colleges, like I, I took the SATs, I think. I wrote my uh, college entry, uh, you know, your essay. And I looked at Dartmouth College, University of Michigan, General Motors Institute, and Bowdoin College. Bowdoin College was 30 miles from where I lived. And Bowdoin was the only place I applied. When the, the application was due, I drove it up to the college. I said, I'll see you next fall. I drove home. I got accepted by Bowdoin. So it was very like weird, easy for me. And when I went to college, my dad, who was 30 miles from where I was in college, only visited once. And my dad had gone to BU and I think failed out. He used to tell people he dropped out of school because we were catching up to him. I mean, my dad's a funny guy. What do you mean we were catching up to him? I didn't get that joke. Well, because he was in school, we were catching up to him. It's like he used to be a, uh, he used okay. to be a prize fighter. My dad was a fighter. Is well, that- he was a boxer. He said he was a boxer. He used to box chocolates in a factory. He used to lick them all. <laughs> okay. Like that kind of stuff, right? Right. So he's, a, he's got a sense yeah. of humor. So he had his own company and he had a hardware store. And when I would go home in the summers, one summer he had me tar the roof. Another summer during inventory, he had me count screws. You know, you can count a hundred screws and then weigh them out. But I would have to count all, you know, 6,000 screws just to teach me a lesson. And that, and he to understand the value of the dollar. Um, so when I went to college, I was actually, 
my family got, my parents got divorced. There's very few. I have a brother and a sister, no family photos. Like I don't have any family photos. From childhood? Yeah. So when I went to college and I stupidly told my father that I was failing a class and he went through this whole thing saying, you know, you were, you graduated third in your high school. You were class president for three years. You were student council president. You played varsity sports for three years. You know, you've always done everything well. You've been handed life, you know, everything out of a silver spoon. And now you fail into class. He says, I don't care if you have to lock yourself in your goddamn room. You pass your course. You pass those classes. Or you don't come home. And that really kind of sent me for a little shock because I'd always done well in school. And here I was in college. And I was failing out my first or second semester. And Bowdoin College is a very good, selective, you know, established, prestigious, private, you know, um, uh, liberal arts college. So what happened was the week and a half before finals, uh, my family called me and said, hey, you know, it's dad's birthday. We're having a huge birthday party for dad. We rented out the Holiday Inn. They're going to have all this blah, blah, blah. In and Maine, that's all there is is one Holiday Inn. There is. I had to go to another <laughs> city to have my bar mitzvah. So uh, anyways, my uh, they called me from the party because I didn't go. And... They're all like, where are you? And I said, put down on the phone. And my dad goes, where the hell are you? And I said, dad, look, when you told me and you said, you know, you need to pass your classes and all that stuff, I said, I'm taking your advice. I said, I'm locking myself in my room. I said, because you're the only one that would understand why I can't be at your party. I said, so I've decided that I'm going to pass these courses or I won't come home. And line went dead. I didn't hear from my father. And it was like the first time that I ever really you know, lay down the, the gauntlet of, okay, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I told my dad I'm not going to come home and I got to pass these courses and he's not too happy about me not being at his party. So the, when you say the line went dead, does that mean he was not pleased with what he heard and he hung up on you? Yeah, yeah. Which is odd because you were doing what he suggested. Yeah, but I'm a smart ass, just like he's a smart ass, you know? And uh, I passed the courses and my dad had a, had a wholesale hardware store in Maine. So when you go up to the wholesale hardware store, my dad's very... Particular. Everybody in my family is kind of OCD. Like when we go to the grocery store, we wipe off everything with a white paper towel. Everything has to be really organized and neat. And I drove up to my dad's store and there were all these vans. Because whenever you would go to the hardware store, there was always like Favro and Son and Smith and Son and all these electricians and plumbers who drive their vans and their kids work for them. And so a lot of the vans were kids that I had gone to high school with and their fathers. And I walked into the store and you could have heard a pin drop because everybody in the store just was like, it's Todd. And they wanted to see me walk to my dad's office because they knew the whole story. Of you not coming home of to me, you? Of me, yeah, of him saying, you better pass those courses. So how did this, how, I mean, you weren't, it was on Mayberry RFD. How does there, everyone know you're the story? Oh, he told them. He said, told my son's this not before coming. the internet, Vic. This is, I'm <laughs> 45 years old. So anyways, I walked down the long hall and everybody's watching me. I go to my dad's office. And like I said, there's no family photos, right? Behind my dad's office, about three feet by four feet was a photo of my dad, my brother, and my sister holding a photo of me. So that's the only family photo that exists. And that's what hung up in, in the back of my dad's office. So it was kind of a, you know... You 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 kind of, not the, you know, it was him getting back at me. See, this is a confusing story to me because Why? you were doing what he asked. You you succeeded. Yeah, but What's it was. What's for him to get back at you for? 
because I didn't go to his party. He had to have the last laugh. He had a That sounds painful. No, it was it was like I love my dad. Well, and I mean, he you loves can still me. love him. I'm not talking about love. Yeah, I'm but just it was saying, one of those challenges. Like that was me. Like I, I had get, a bar mitzvah when I was 13. You had a bar mitzvah, right? Or a bat mitzvah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had a bar. Well, you shaving your vagina? I don't know. If you, <laughs> I had a bar mitzvah. Okay, yeah. so it was like me becoming a man. So when I was away from college, because my dad was paying for my college, and all of a sudden I took it upon myself to do what I said I was going to do, and then I realized the power of saying, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it. But why would he get back at you? That's what I don't He's understand. my dad. He's a wise ass. Okay. So it's a lighthearted thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I loved it. Okay. Good. Okay. You know, I'm look, looking at you and I'm seeing, and it could be just because it's late, you know, because we shoot, we record. My bags under my eyes? No, but your eyes look watery. I mean, are you getting emotional no. talking about this? No. I don't have my glasses on. Okay. I don't know. I mean, your eyes look watery to me. And also to me, it sounds like a sensitive story. And also- not having childhood photos. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to, that wouldn't make me feel good. Why? I live in a one room apartment. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying your parents didn't bother to even take a photo of you growing up. Oh, they have photos of me and they took photos of me. I mean, I a photo of everybody together. Okay. A family photo. I, I misunderstood that. I thought you said there were no childhood photos. No family photos. I have photos. Oh, okay. Of me but none of the family together. Is that because of the divorce? Pretty much, yeah. Does that does that divorce did that have an effect in you? And do you think it is an adult in your professional life? No, I think in my personal life, not my professional life. Well, it's a good segue because um, you know you're you're in your forties. I think you said you're forty five, but you're somewhere in your forties, and you're a single guy. Um, you know, that's it's kind of a mystery to me a little bit. Um, you know, on paper, you're a great catch. And I know you, you date a lot, right? You date a lot. Uh, little. Okay. Not a lot. That's a kind of a... But you, let me tell you, you something. You would think I do, but I like to stay home and cook and watch TV. Well, you, to me, or a single woman, would be like catnip. And I'll tell you why. You own your own company. You're a smart guy. You love your parents. You've got a great sense of humor. Some money in the bank. I mean, what's going on? Uh, I would think partly, and it's funny because, uh, you know, I met and married my, I used to say I met and married my ex-wife in three weeks, but then people say, why would you meet, why would you marry your ex-wife? And I'll tell you, I, I never would marry her again. So I met and married my wife, who is now my ex-wife. In three weekends, I was living in Seattle. She was living in LA. We met online, not through a dating site, but I was working for ESPN.com back in 96, 97. And we actually went to Vegas, got married by a rabbi that makes house calls. We, because we only dated for three weeks and we were married for seven long, beautiful years, wasted, <laughs> people think that's a successful story. And it is. How long ago was that divorce? Six long Beautiful years. So is uh, Mrs. Former Green, uh, Mrs. Former, former Miss Todd, Mrs. Todd Green. You're getting make it a, sound like a title, but she, it, it, it probably does, was, yeah. right? Well, to live Ms. with you. Green, 1990. Yeah. No, but is she getting a little bit of a piece of every Headblade product that's being made? No, she uh, actually does very well for herself. She's now remarried with kids, but she does very well for herself. And when we got divorced, there was a house that we had purchased that I designed that she has free and clear that um, I 
we got divorced very amicably. And I have my little studio on the beach and I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean, your lifestyle is just fascinating. Thank you. It really is. And, and you know, it's, it's the car thing to me is just a promotion bit. I don't really think you care about a Lotus. No, I don't. The, car, the car is a great car. Two people asked me if they could take pictures of it on the way here. Right. Well, I, but, I mean, I think you enjoy that, but I don't think, I don't see you as like uh, that typical L.A. douchebag type. No offense to anyone. No, I'm much more special douchebag type. No, but, no. you know, but a typical douchebag would be driving around in a Lotus. No offense to you, Todd. And, um, but you've got a banner on yours. So I don't know if that makes you a I, double douchebag or, no, or not a douchebag at all. Well, I have, when I, I'll <laughs> tell you a story. When I, I had a Honda CRX. From 1987 to uh, 2003 or four, I actually sold it to a friend. And when I started Headblade, I painted the car from red to yellow and I put Love Head on the side and I had the phone number. And I remember I got so many calls when my ex-wife's mom came to town and she drove around my car. I had more calls than I ever had with a car that says Love Head. And somebody actually wrote me and they said, I saw, I was in Santa Monica visiting relatives. I saw your car. I went to the website. The headblade looks amazing. I hope it works better than your piece of shit car looks. And I thought, wow, if I'm going to be serious about headblade and I'm going to really be serious about branding, I need to have a car that is not a 17-year-old car. Right. Um, and then I, I bought an Isuzu Veracross and I've had that for 12 years. So the Lotus, I got great deal on it. I got it four years ago. Um, you didn't yeah. get that Lotus new, did you? It was it was two years old, but it was new on the lot. Okay, the reason I'm bringing that up is because because you're a smart guy. You know, I mean, I know that the Lotus. You're not trying to do that to impress women. I don't think. You know, when a guy women don't like that car. Well, when I see a guy in his 40s driving around in a Lotus, you know, I think that there's something going on. Like he's he's doing it to get girls. You know, women, and for you, I think I don't think that's the case. No, mine, you're, you're doing a, it to get guys. It's no. yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes, it's, thank you. Uh, go uh, on. Not there's nothing wrong with that. Go on. I yeah, thank you. Uh, the Lotus has headblade all over it, and so does the Isuzu. So it, it is a rolling marketing piece, and it was been it's been in a video for Right Said Fred. Um, we've done advertising with it. We had a play uh, a shoot model shoot with a Playboy model, um, and the Lotus. It does great, especially since I park it down on the beach in Santa Monica. People take pictures of it all weekend long. I see when I go out, there's fingerprints all over the car. Uh, it's a great marketing piece. Right. And, uh, you know, a Lotus is not a practical car. Um, I got a great deal on it. And it is all, and I remember I went on a date once with a girl. And, and I took her out twice and she asked me if I had anything I could drive without my logos on it. Hmm. And another girl uh, said to wear. me, why, yeah, why do, you, why do you wear clothes with your logo on it? And I said, well, because A, it's my company and I'm advertising for the company. And I don't want my company to fail and to have thoughts at night going, wow, if I'd only worn the hat or if I'd only put stickers on my car. I mean, if you're going to start your own company and you're going to brand, brand it. Be serious about it. I mean, nobody's going to care more than you. And you have to use every... I have a credit card. Do you see my credit card? When I have not. Vic, did you see my credit card when I no. paid for dinner tonight? <laughs> yeah, you didn't see it, did we you? We did dine earlier. Um, Look at that. What's, what's, on my, what's on my credit card? It's a logo. Yeah. So every time I buy something, hey, that's a cool logo. Right. You know, it's advertising. Well, do you think um, 
you're thinking about your company 24-7? Well, when you said about women and dating, and I think when I got divorced and I thought... How many years ago? Six long, beautiful years. Yeah, okay. Not that long ago, really. Seems like yesterday. I wake up with cold sweats on that one. Um, nothing was going to come between me and my company. So when I got divorced, you know, we could have gone through the mediator and said, okay, you have part of this, I have part of that. You know, she's successful. She makes good money. She has a house. Let me ask you this, and this is a Wait, fair... Wait, well, I'll give you my fair answer. Okay, but go on. But I didn't want to wake up in the morning and think that any part of what I did was going to my past. That's just the easiest, nicest way to put it because my company is mine. My future is mine. Did you I just like that silence. Yeah, that's not good in radio. So I'm going to oh, have sorry. to interrupt that silence. Are you telling me that you could have potentially uh, gotten alimony? You said she was very successful. I don't know if what you were doing at that time. Could she be still making payments to you, do you think? Probably. Probably. I mean, if you look at the, but you know, here's the thing. When I moved down here from Seattle, I had some money, bought some car, you know, paid a bunch. So it, it was a working relationship, mm -hmm. you know? And then when I was quote unquote, the inventor, you know, I remember when I went to Fred Siegel's once, cause I was in the apartment working out of the apartment and I came up with the idea and I was, I made my own website. I would pack up every single order every day. I'd walk into the post office and once Fred Siegel was having a sale and I bought a really nice $1,000 suit or maybe, but it was half price. Fred Siegel, bucks. by the way, if you don't live here in Los Angeles. It's Kitson from the 1990s, right? Well, no, Fred Siegel is a high-end store that well, you got to spend a lot of money to get anything there. And I would go to the sale and I bought this suit, really nice suit. My ex-wife came home and I said, don't go in the bedroom. I, I've laid out the suit and some other uh, items and I'm mixing and matching. And she said, what do you need a suit for? I said, what do you mean? I have my own company. And she looked at the bedroom and then she looked at the other room and she said, all you do every day is you go from this room to that room. Who's going to see you in a suit? I said, well, I'll wear it when I go pick up your dry cleaning. So, you know, over the years, our roles kind of changed. When I first came down here, you know, she was switching jobs. I had some money. Then I came up with a company and she was working. And so, it you know, worked every, out every, everything worked out, you know, and she's got kids and I... If I were to talk to her right now, if she were in the studio, what would she say about you? I don't know. She'd probably look at her Blackberry. Seriously. I really don't know what she'd say. How would she say, uh, what, what would she say about how you handled the divorce? Very well. It was, it was nice. We stayed friends for another year, year and a half, and she married her tennis partner. And then I think we stopped talking when the, the house that I designed um, somehow, somehow flooded and they tore it down. Do you think that your divorce was a result of your passion for the business? No, no, no. Did the idea for Headblade come while you were married? When I lived in Seattle, I was shaving my head. So you could say for five years before I was married, I was conscious of shaving my head. Because in the early 90s, to be a white Jewish guy from Maine, shaving your head and you got every single stereotype you know, that you really needed to ha be have a conviction for why you're shaving your head. And I used to talk to people about how they shaved their heads because it was very difficult for me. And that's the whole thing about Headblade is it was, you know, the better mousetrap. When you shave your head with a traditional razor, you have a handle and it's hard to shave the back of your head. You can't shave places that you can't see. You can't shave by feel. And if you're using a mirror, you end up using two mirrors 
everything's backwards. So the whole idea, if you have never seen Headblade, picture a joy buzzer that you had when you were a kid that went on your finger, that you'd go shake somebody's hand and it would buzz their hand. Headblade fits on your finger like that. So essentially you can shave any place by feel. And so when I used to shave in Seattle, I would shave at night with a traditional razor. It would take me 20 minutes. Problem was the next morning I would have five o'clock shadow. If you're a white guy with dark hair, and this goes back to your infomercial thing, you know, if you stay up late and you I watch think, infomercial, yeah. it's you're bald, you're fat, and you can't clean your house fast enough, right? right. All those things. Yeah. So they always show a white guy with really dark hair. And if they show a black guy, he's got white hair, right? Because most black guys who have dark hair, you don't see the bald patch. But if you're looking at a white guy with dark hair, that bald patch shows up really prominently. So I used to shave my head at night, but I didn't like the five o'clock shadow. There was this girl actually who had a great fetish for head shaving. She used to come over and shave my head. I loved that. But when I got married, I had to stop that. So really, did, did that cause, was that, you know, the chicken or the egg? Well, I had to start figuring out a better way to shave because I couldn't have somebody come over and shave my head at night or in the morning or, you know, along with the other. You hear this all the time that this is how inventions come about through people trying to find a better way, a personal story. Yeah. And that's what we're hearing here. How would, would I was wondering if you would describe yourself right here, right now as a success. Oh yeah, definitely. And why? Because I think if I died right now, it's like there's a, a saying, count no man fortunate till he's dead, right? Don't name it Pete Rose Street or OJ Simpson building, you know, because you could live a certain life up to a certain point, everything's great, right? So right now, yeah, my life is a success because if I died today, there's nothing I regret. You know, I've done what I said I was going to do, whether it was passing the course when I was a freshman in college or moving across country and not knowing anybody or putting my money where my mouth is and meeting and marrying somebody in three weeks. You know, I, and when I got married, actually, we took the landmark forum class, which I don't know if you're familiar I've with that. It. And it's one of those, it's not, people say it's cultish. It's, you know, and I only did the weekend. And if you're going to spend what you think is going to be the rest of your life with somebody, and they, my ex-wife's family was involved with it. She said, I really want you to take this. And it gives you a good vocabulary of how to relate and use words like authentic and be true to yourself. And I realized that I had been living really a true life like that. When I wanted to go to Seattle, I just said, what's keeping me from going to Seattle? Stripped that down and I went to Seattle. You know, I can kind of, there's a saying and I love sayings but it is uh, think like a man of action, act like a man of thought, right? So it's- Say that again. Think like a man of action, act like a man of thought. You know, if you really want to do something, think about it. If you think about it, do it. So really that, that kind of gave me some vocabulary of how I'd been living my life and really honed in on, okay, if I came up with this idea of head blade and people thought I was crazy, the guy who made my final prototypes, who I met, who makes props for movies, he thought I was crazy. And he's now a great friend of mine. Five years after we made the original head blade, we had to make a prototype for another model. And this guy does a lot of stuff for Mattel and other companies. And he said to me, I've never been to China. And he's one of the most talented model makers I've ever met. And so 
when he did the prototype for the second model, he and I went to China together. And it was one of those things where it was somebody that didn't believe. And he told me, he said, when you came into my shop and you had this little prototype you made, he said, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was like the edible, you know. The call edible, we got earlier. Yeah, Marcus's edible silverware. He's like, right. but then I saw the passion and I saw that you knew what you wanted to do and you were going to do it. And, you know, the first year, the, fir the first day that I went to sell head blades, I had 500 head blades in my apartment. And I had two or three friends come down and we had to package the head blades and we had to drill them out and do the little twisty tie to hold the head blade in the box. And one of my friends, I realized halfway through was left-handed. And I said, you got to undo all the ones you did. You have to tie them the right way. Because those, you know, those are backwards. It's like we could sell those in Australia where the toilet's flush the other way. You have to redo yours. We did the 500 head blades. The next day, I had my grand opening on Venice Beach. I rented a booth in Venice Beach. I had my ex-wife, a friend, two girls in bikinis selling head blades. And everybody that came up to me would be like, what is it? Then they say, why don't I see it on TV? Why don't I see it in magazines? I kept saying, this is our worldwide introduction. I've been working on this for a year. And I burned my head because it was a hot summer day. And it was just a fiasco. We sold eight head blades that whole day. And I remember we packed up and I was, we were leaving and I was, I was almost in tears. And I said to my ex-wife, I don't know why I'm doing this. She said, you got to look on the bright side. I said, what could be the bright side? We had 500 head blades. We sold eight of them. She said, well, you sold five. Everybody else sold three. She said, that's, that's big. And I said, what am I, you know, user of them? I mean, you know, employee of the month, like that, the cartoon I told you about. Right. And it was one of those things where nobody believed in it, you know, but I believed in it. And I have all those stories, like when I was going to do a fair in San Francisco and it was the, the Folsom Street Fair. And I flew up the day of the street fair and I was going to set up the booth and I got there really early, first flight out and I got to San Francisco, went to 7th and Folsom and nobody was there. Called my ex-wife and I said, look, this is street fair here, but there's nobody here. There was a street, but no fair. There was, it was the <laughs> second largest street fair in California and nobody was there. And I said, can you check the website? And she got on the website and I hear her go, uh-oh. That was the year, that was the date it was last year. This year, it's in two weeks. Oh. <laughs> I was like, so I walked around and I found two stores that agreed to start selling Headblade. So it was meant to be. That's not that was, no, way. don't say that because, you know, it's nothing is real. And that's my thing. Nothing is meant to be because, you know, my ex-wife used to say that if it was meant to be, right? And when we got divorced, it was, it was meant, meant to, to be. be. So, you know, don't have those self-fulfilling prophecies. Make your life. You know, visualize it and then go get it. Are you um, a big motivational speaker? Like listening, like do you listen to Tony Robbins or? Did I just sound like Tony Robbins? No, but you have a way about you that's motivating. Did you uh, listen to a lot of- I uh, wish I could do better when I'm in the car and the guy in front of me won't move. What about thinking- I wish I could be more motivated. Just a little honk here or there. And I keep saying to myself, why can't I be just for one day? I want to be that- person in front of me that's so slow they don't have a lotus but they're so slow and can't they why do they put their blinker on why do they just sit there can't they move and i thought one day i want to be that person and then i thought about it and i thought one day i'll be that person you know what i'm thinking 
What's wrong with that guy behind me? <laughs> right? Why does he keep honking? Right. Yeah. So am I motivational? Not enough. But do you, we, have you been inspired by anyone uh, like Tony Robbins no. or Think no. and Grow Rich? And, no, I don't listen to any of that stuff. Okay. Well, we're, I, I wanted to ask you um, finally a little bit about your personal life. Is that okay, Jeremy? We have a few minutes. Okay. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, we were talking, we touched on it. Do you think at being in your forties, single, you've got a little bit of the Peter Pan syndrome, like to kind of still be a kid in some ways? And that is a fair question. I thought you were going to say wear tights and no, jump around on buildings. That's a fair question too. That Vic. would be, and you probably do own tights. But I used to love dressing up like Batman and Robin, but yeah, that's a whole nother. Right. Well, I'm sure you still do that at times. Uh, but no. let in, and it works with our what we're talking about here with the ladies. What's going on with you? With the with the, I mean, what is going on? What, oh, the Peter Pan thing. Yeah, I do. You know, it's funny because I think about that. I am very content. I mean, I won't say I'm lonely. Sometimes you 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 do want. I, I'm a helpless romantic. Like when Harry Met Sally was my favorite movie. You know, and I, when I met and married my ex-wife in three, not my ex-wife then, but she was, when I met and married her in three weeks, I remember quoting when Harry met Sally saying, when you know you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible, which also works when you get divorced. When you, so, but really when you watch those romantic comedies, what you have to understand is anything can be that great for two hours or an hour and 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. It's even you, better if you have popcorn. You're, yeah, exactly. Your life could be a beautiful movie for an hour and 30 minutes. What I want is I want the movies after the movies end. I want to see that movie when it's all like, okay, cut. So I love my life. When I'm sitting in my one room apartment, which I call the world's best hotel room, I love to cook. I make the best food. I have a nice TV. And I sit there and I go, what Bernie Madoff would do for this room right now, right? right. You have to appreciate what you have. Well, and so here it is. The man who owns little is little owned. And, and happiness is wanting what you have, not having what you want. Say that last part again. Pew. Say the happiness thing. Happiness again. is wanting what you have, not having what you want. Mm, that's interesting. Is that, uh, where did that come from? Baldazar Gration? I don't know. Uh, okay, well, it's that, that's inspiring. It really is. Um, but you haven't really answered my question in particular about- Peter Pan. Yeah. Are you, would you say that there needs to be some growing up I, with the ladies? <laughs> with a, yeah. That is a fair question. You're right. I, I was thinking when I go home and I put on my, my, my snowman pajamas and I do own snowman pajamas. Right. I'm like a little kid. Right? I am a little kid. But we're all little kids. That's what we, you grow up and you become serious. When I lived back East, it's always, where'd you go to college? What do you do? Who do you know? I love being in Los Angeles because you can be whoever you are. You know, you don't have to be a socialite if you don't want. I'm a homebody. I love having fun. I love my pajamas. I love my little Lotus. I love working. Do you have intimacy issues, do you think, with women? I mean, probably, that, probably. Is that from the divorce? But I love cuddling. I love kissing. I love being romantic. Right. I love being intimate. But I've known you for a decent amount of time and you date a lot of women. You have, an, you have a voracious appetite. No, that's but not true. It's true. It's not true. It, it, okay. Well, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Voracious appetite. You have a voracious appetite for the women. 
I'm not suggesting that you're in any way a slut. You don't sleep around, but you not definitely, at all. You definitely not have a hunger all. that's never sated. Uh, I okay. Well, we can just agree on that one. But you you have an active dating life. But when I, I'm just wondering, is that yeah. a, just be, a way of dodging actual intimacy, going from one woman to the next to the next to the next? And I know you have long distance relationship you shared with me, right? You sure it's not? Yeah, but here. Am I projecting? Yeah, because, you know, I see you. Oh, all right, forget it. Yeah, this what is. What I will say <laughs> is obviously the divorce wounded me that I said that my company was going to be first, that I love intimacy, I love companionship. I don't want. It's like when. I remember once my ex-wife said, you know, marriage is like work. It's like, and I said, but I, if it's a job I'm not getting paid for, that's not going to go up in value, that I just can't, I can't work overtime, right? <laughs> I have my company. What? <laughs> that's funny. I mean, you weren't trying to be funny, it's but true, it's very right? funny. I have a job. I have my company. I, I, I love companionship. I love romance. In my mind, it's like when I used to get depressed, I'd say. You get depressed? I, when I feel down, right, I have little tricks that I can do in my head, which are very good, great exercises for me. One of them is if you go shopping and you want to buy something, I would give myself, hey, you get $100, you can go buy whatever you want. I'd walk through a store, I'd pick up some items and I'd emotionally own them and wear them while I'm still in the store. And then I'd say, well, I'm not going to wear this. You have to amortize. Say you buy, you know, a shirt for $300. You say, well, I have to wear this shirt for 300 times for it to be about a buck every time I wear it. Because which, you know, if you have a shirt and you spill wine on it or something, it's not worth, right? So you don't want to pay a lot for something that's, long story short, by the time I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes in the store and nobody says anything to me, I figure out I want to return the shirt. And I just put it down because I don't have to stand in line. I don't have to have a receipt. I don't have to go home and then back to the store. I'm at the store. So really, I've helped myself out because I picked out what I wanted. I emotionally wore it. I amortized it. I decided I spilled something on it or I don't want it anymore. I wanted to return it. Hey, boom, I'm in the store. I just leave it here. Is that, for, is that a, a technique to use when you don't have the money to buy something? Oh, it's even better when you do have the money to buy something. And why is that? Because you had just... Well, and don't call me cheap. I'm not... Because I'm not cheap. I don't My think you are. My dad said you have, to, you have to be rich to buy cheap things, right? Because if you buy... Like, let's say you want to buy a nice set of silverware. I have plates. My plates, my silverware. Took me about a year to buy them because I wanted to buy a very particular model. I've had them now for over 20 years, right? If I had Marcus's, I could just eat them, but then I have to go buy new plates, right? Right. So the... I like to buy nice things and nice things that I'll have for a long time. But I also like to entertain the idea of buying something and then not buying it and knowing that I have that money in the bank or in my pocket. Not in my pocket. Don't, don't mug me. I don't have any money in my pocket. I have holes in my pocket. That's what my dad gave me for Christmas one year. Holes in my pocket. I, you know, but to, have the, to be able to buy something and not buy it that is great restraint and it lets you just enjoy it emotionally. Now, no, that's a fascinating idea. I mean, I'm going to use that. I'll tell you a book to read. It's called Your Money or Your Life. 
Okay, who wrote it? Uh, well, it's, well, we can it find came it out in the Amazon. early 90s and then it kind of went, it was out there and I, I read it when I was in Seattle. I loved it. It's, it, talk, it talks about how, you know, let's say you want to go buy coffee. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost you to go get the coffee? How much does that coffee cost you? All the things, like if you get a new job and you buy clothes and how much gas it costs you to go, all these things you never think about. And this book says, hey, if you find a quarter on the ground, you pick it up, that's income. And you have to keep like a tab for a couple of weeks on but during the recession, that book came up again. It was on everybody's must-read list. Your money or your life. Your money or your life. Okay. Um, we, we're going to have to wrap it up here. I did want to, I'm curious about one thing that um, you said that I hadn't had a chance to really follow up Uh-oh, on. Uh-oh, here we go. No, this is going to be, uh, I'm just curious. You said that you deal, you've had depression in your life. And I didn't say I had depression You said at life. some point you were depressed. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. This is what I heard. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm just wondering... And it's a fair question. You know, what, what is uh, one of the techniques if you have, you said you have techniques and okay. I thought you were talking about dealing with depression. I could have misread No, like that. when I was driving cross country, okay. And you would take a wrong turn and you get really mad or really upset. I had a CD I made for myself and it was a CD that I would have to play until I got back on track. And it was just songs about being lost. That's it. Then I had this thing that I dated a girl when I was in high school. She worked at the Dairy Queen. When we broke up, I was really depressed. I was like 15 years old. And I thought, and I think I had the idea for the blizzard before they came out with it because she worked at the Dairy Queen. It was 1983. And I used to have her make me a vanilla ice cream with chocolate chip, chocolate chips and cherries. And I used to stir it all up. I think that was a blizzard, right? It sounds like I haven't had a blizzard. So, but- <laughs> so when we broke up, I said to myself, once I have, and I hadn't named the blizzard, but whatever it was, I said, once I have this, I will never think about that again. And it's like a little trick. And I had it. It was delicious. Should have trademarked it, but I was, I was done. You, you never thought about that relationship again? Because that doesn't that, work for me. Not that, I, I'll tell you a funny story about her. She's brilliant. Here's, here's one last story. I graduated third in my class in high school, right? The top three people give speeches. Right? I was the only Jewish kid in my high school. I wrote a really funny speech on graduation. I went first. Kathy McPherson went second, my girlfriend. Steve Rand was a valedictorian. He won first. I mean, he won third, right? Not good at math. Anyways, so I was always mad because I said, I'm smarter than Kathy. And when we had our graduation, I gave my speech. I got up. I gave a speech. I thought it was really riveting, really funny. It was about being Jewish and history and all this stuff. And it was in, a, you know, my high school was 300 people. And so my graduating class was like 100 and something. So I got up to the speech. Only like 30 people thought it was funny. I was really upset. I was like, it's a great speech, but nobody really likes it. So I sat down and Kathy went up to give her speech and she turned the microphone on. <laughs> and I realized then that she was smarter than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like. Don't compare yourself with other people. Don't say they're better looking than me. They're smarter than me. You are yourself. And that was such a humble thing because I realized I was worried about the wrong thing. I should have been thinking about the friggin' microphone, right? Because it was a good speech. But she was that much smarter than me. So the lesson in that? Don't compare yourself to other people. Just be you, baby. Who loves you? Because <laughs> you, you got a little thinking? caught up in the comparison and then when it came to just remembering to turn the mic on. Yeah, it's one of those things. Be, you know, yeah, let everybody live their own lives. You live your life. 
You be the best fit cone you can. Mustache or no mustache? <laughs> today it's a mustache. That's the best fit cone today. Well, listen, Todd, you have been fantastic. Um, you know, you've been fit. You faced a lot of fair questions and you answered them all. Uh, we never did find out exactly your net worth, uh, but you know, that's why we have guests back. <laughs> you kind of gave us an answer, but Jeremy, did you feel we got an answer? Nothing. All right. Todd Green, the creator, owner, founder of Headblade. You can see uh, all that he's come up with at headblade.com. That's H-E-A-D-B-L-E-B-L-A-D-E. It's a good thing I know how to spell. Can you give out my dating hotline? Uh, no, but they can find you, I'm sure. On Facebook? Are you on Facebook? Oh, I am on Facebook. And it's T-O-D-D-G-R-E-E-N-E. Is that right? Yep. Okay, there's an E at the end of that. And I want to thank Jeremy again for running uh, the board and uh, being here He's, as always. Thank you, Jeremy. You did a great job. And I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank our callers. And we look forward to, or I look forward to seeing you again right here on Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm